0: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to our Faith Focus Weekly Discipleship Podcast. We are continuing with our series about mental health and how that intersects with how we do discipleship and life in the church. Um, it can all get very complicated and difficult to discern, and I don't know how to even say that. Very
1: gray and sticky. Yes.
0: gray and sticky. Messy. yes. yes. Which you know, messy quite well because you have a eleven month old. I do. Yeah. So,
1: yep, yep, mess, mess everywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I do want to remind you, quick, before we get too far into our conversation, yeah, to subscribe to the podcast. That'll make sure that you um, are continually getting new episodes, whether you're viewing on YouTube or listening on one of the major uh, podcasting platforms, whatever that may be for you. Apple is my go-to. Are you more of an Apple Music or Spotify? Spotify. Yeah. So she's more of a Spotify person, but. We're different that's okay we can still be friends (laughs) before we started recording this we started recording like 17 minutes ago probably by now and just talked about other things for a long
1: time we did because we can we do that
0: yes we do (laughs) but anyway today we're talking about more mental health stuff and today we want to talk more specifically um so in the in the first week of the series we talked about just kind of putting some definition around some of the things with mental health and defining a disorder. Mental health disorder is something that, in a nutshell, disrupts your daily life. Right. Yes. And then um, last week we talked about whether or not we find mental health concerns in the Bible. And while we said we can't necessarily diagnose anybody in the Bible, we can say that um, it does seem that there are people who have their daily life affected by what was going on in their minds and in their hearts. Um, And also just the fact that so many people resonate so deeply with some things that are in, like, the Psalms about, like, how challenging uh, life can be sometimes. Right,
1: right. So today
0: we're going to be delving into more about managing your mental health as a Christian. So um, kind of we talked previously about how the main kind of two formats of dealing with mental health is usually some form of therapy. and and or some form of medication. So we're gonna start a little Mm. bit with medication and we previously talked and tell me a little, just give me a little reminder about like what medication does for a person in terms of mental health, whether it's like an antidepressant or...
1: So a medication essentially, and a lot of these drugs are hormonally based, is they're balancing out your hormone levels. So mm-hmm. you either have too much or too little of something and what medication does is balance it out so it neutralizes. Mm-hmm. And and we're talking about chemicals in the brain, specific chemical, biological parts of the brain that either are too much or too little. Um, <clears throat> and so that's what medication looks at is to kind of neutralize mm-hmm. those parts of the biological brain of these things in our brain. And this is a very broad overview yes. and I don't have a ton of knowledge with this so if I, I reserve the right to be I'm wrong. Because Ann I'm not a
0: psychiatrist. I'm not. No, yeah.
1: Nope. So I don't have a huge line of expertise. I know enough to help families and students walk through the process of making the decision or Um, Most of my experience is with ADD, ADHD meds um, Mm -hmm. as a school counselor. Uh, And so I have enough knowledge to work with parents to say, go talk to your psychiatrist. go talk
0: to a doctor, a psychiatrist.
1: Right. We're seeing behaviors that don't, you know, meds have switched. We have too much of this in the meds. It's a very complex biological Mm -hmm. scientific process to figure out the right amount of meds per person um, because each body is made differently. And so from a biological standpoint, and so meds have to be accommodated to that. But essentially the big overview is to neutralize and put your brain in a spot of functioning where then it can produce and function on a daily basis. And so the disruptions in your daily life will lessen significantly Mm -hmm.
0: so it's not so if if you're taking an antidepressant it's not happy pills no 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 (laughs) (laughs) which would be fun maybe i don't know (laughs) oh my gosh yeah um and so i i remember a few years ago i was having a conversation with some friends and um i kind of or rather i joined a conversation that was part way through and they kind of asked me they said um, what do you think about antidepressants? Are they something that we as Christians should partake in because the Bible does tell us to be sober-minded? So um, what does that mean for us as Christians to take these things that might alter our hormone levels or brain chemistry or whatever? Before I give my take on it, I just wanted to ask your take on it a little bit first. I know you don't have as much to say on this necessarily, but I'm just kind of curious as to what you think about that as a Christian of
1: of like of
0: taking medication for of taking health.
1: medication and mental health I think you know is part of it is if God created the brains to create this medication um, there's there's got to be a level of we got to trust the medication and I know that this is right now currently this is kind of a hot button any mm-hmm. the word medication is kind yes. of a hot button thing right now. Um, I think that for each person it's different to discern whether to take medication, whether to not take medication. Um, it's different for everybody. I know people that take it all the time, antidepressant medication. I know friends that were on it for a while and then got off of it, went into therapy and haven't needed it since. Um, friends that still need it for a daily life. So it's all it all just kind of depends. It's a huge big pendulum swing. Um, so I think as Christians for us to personally, my opinion, (laughs) to personally judge um, medication just outright versus kind of having all the pieces of the puzzle. Man, I love puzzle analogies. Um, All the pieces- She's got a
0: puzzle in progress just over there. I do. I do lots
1: of puzzles. (laughs) Um, If we don't have the whole picture, it isn't our place to judge someone whether they choose medication or not to choose medication. I think if we have the resources available to us, I don't. I don't see <clears throat> why why we wouldn't use those resources if someone created it. And um, I think I think there's a lot of different ways you could go on it. I think opinion based. I have seen some really great changes with friends and family members through medication. Um, where they were then able to get to a mental spot where they could start making life changes. And life Mm -hmm. just took off in a whole new way. Totally different person. Um, And so I've seen that. I've also seen the downside of medication where we really should question whether whether we should be. And so it's this very kind of big pendulum. Gray and sticky. Gray and sticky (laughs) thing that we have to I think understand the person and all the puzzles of the pieces i think to outright judge someone for medication or to outright nick something or to say yes to something even both sides of the spectrum can get really dangerous Mm -hmm. and so that's where doing research and becoming educated on the medication what will this do what does it affect within my body where are you at in your life kind of taking all these things into account is really really important when you're looking at the process of medication. Mm -hmm. And that's my opinion. Yep. Just
0: to clarify. No, that's great. And there's certainly a wide array of opinions on that. For myself, um, I do take medication on a daily basis uh, for depression. And I have now for several years um, before I took medication and I kind of started therapy and medication at the same time, kind of combined. I started therapy a little bit first and then got into the medication piece of it um, but for a long time I didn't realize that I had like diagnosable depression Yeah. Um, because some of the symptoms I read about because like I questioned it for years but some of the symptoms right. I read were far more severe than what I experienced. Yeah. And so I didn't think I was far enough on the scale of severity yeah. to need. <laughs> medication. I just thought I was weak because Mm. I couldn't get it together. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of felt like, um, you know, I I could certainly recognize that I had a really good life. I, you know, I had a stable family and I was getting an education and, you know, all my needs are met. I know that there are people in the world facing, you know, poverty and lack of clean water and starvation and war and all kinds of horrible things. And so I like, i really denigrated myself for feeling terrible because i knew my life was actually pretty good that should have been my clue that there is a brain chemical imbalance because what i realized over time is that my default state was at a very low place and so when things were going well i was still feeling pretty low and then when things were not going well i would feel really really low so eventually i got to the point where Um, between consultation with friends and my therapist and a doctor I did decide to go on medication and once we got the dosage right um, it changed my default so instead of my default kind of being down here it brought my default to a true neutral so when things were hard that was still challenging but then when things were good I could actually start to experience joy and like Mm. And it wasn't as fleeting and temporary as it was before. Um, and so, coming back to what I, where I started this question of people ask me like, as a Christian, how do you approach medication? Um, because the Bible tells us to be sober minded. Um, the way I've come to think of it, and reasonable Christians can absolutely disagree with me, but the way I've come to think of it is that my brain pre-medication was not sober. Yeah, My brain was not yeah. designed to be operating at this low of a default. And so essentially what the medication did is bring my brain to a state of equilibrium and sobriety. It wasn't a false happiness. It wasn't happy pills. The pills don't make me happy.
1: Right, right.
0: They <laughs> allow me to experience life normally. And so when things are hard, you know, things are still hard absolutely the the pills don't take that away right um but i can process them more clearly and more objectively because i started off from a true neutral default instead of a really low default and then when things are good great they're good and so like i'd gone on medication for a while and then i went off for a while and i was fine for a while but then i was kind of slipping again and then I got back on medication and I think I'm just going to stay on like I've stayed on it now for a few years and I think I'm just going to keep it there just because I don't have side effects. I've known people who have right? and um, I don't perceive any side effects. If anything, I mean my metabolism has maybe slowed down a little bit, but that might also just be getting older. (laughs) And not working out at all during 2020 and the pandemic. And just, I'm still recovering from that two years later.
1: <laughs> I mean, probably. Yeah. but
0: I think it's more that than anything <laughs> by medication. Because I, I was on the medication prior to the pandemic and didn't notice any ill effects. But
1: medication can affect weight. Yes. yes, it can. I don't know a whole lot about specifics. And I had a roommate who
0: went off his medication, off antidepressants because... He didn't like the way it was affecting his weight and he thought he was back in a place of more stability where he felt like he could emotionally there's a lot of of person
1: and there's a lot of personal choice with a lot of these a lot of these medications and so i'm always cautious of jump jumping right to medication or Mm -hmm. jumping no to medication like there there has to be this gray (laughs) sticky ground yeah um and i think too as christians like pray about it yeah it, pray about it. Because if God's like, mm, not right now. Cool, man. Yeah. If God is like, I think this might bring clarity, mm-hmm. then, you know, and so I just think, again, that comes in judgment of people's walks with God, people's journey with God. Um, and that, again, just loving someone right where they're yeah. at.
0: Well, and prayer, I mean, I feel like when I finally got on medication, that was the answer to prayer that I'd been looking for for so long. Mm. And I was too, not stubborn, but I just was too unaware to seek that as an as a possible answer. God had long been providing me access to it, but I never thought that that's what I needed. Um, and so, and how I decided to get on medication was with a Christian counselor and Christian community saying, maybe you should check this out. This is maybe something you think about because you're telling me things that are very, you know, very much a pattern on a daily basis. And so that encouragement from people who knew me well was really helpful and helped take away some of the stigma of taking medication like I had this big stigma that like medication was for weak people
1: or something like that and like no I know some very strong individuals that take medication and um, it's
0: when you realize it's designed to restore an imbalance that that. makes so much more well I don't necessarily say that a lot (laughs) like because I'm I'm past feeling that, right, but I haven't right. felt that in a long time. But right. like, yeah, I mean, I just, I, that's the stereotype that I kind of had. Um, I just thought I had to be stronger than what I was feeling. But
1: that's very typical. Yeah. It's very, very typical. Especially, I think, for men. Absolutely. Because men have
0: this, like, stigma that, or this ideal that they have to live up to of, like, I have to be strong. And
1: I think that's part of it. And I would say, on, and women, too, in terms of... Um, Uh, just as a new mom now in motherhood, if you're struggling with a lot of that, well clearly I'm not a strong enough mother and I'm not there for my kids and that's such a falsehood. And I think that is a total card, I like to say cards that is a card the devil loves to use I think, is that that there's a sign of weakness and so really being discerning you know if we shut medication off we might be giving the devil the the open door that he's going to be like and "And here we go it was
0: for me for a long time yeah and so because my neutral is now at, or my default is now at a true neutral i mean it's easier for me to recognize okay no that's that's a lie from satan right i'm not going to believe that i'm not going to pursue that in my mental thought process because that's a rabbit hole that I don't need to go down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we don't need to enter that. And so I think that that that's a really good point in terms of that's that that medication or therapy or any of this type of stuff is a show of weakness, which is a total falsehood because any of it medication or therapy takes a lot of personal work because when you start medication you have to find the right dosage. Yes. <laughs> so you are going to be on an emotional Biological absolute roller coaster when you start any type of medication. And this is across the board with any time. Think about chemotherapy. You're putting yep. a whole lot of drugs in your system. Yep. And, and really often, act- as
0: Christians, we don't question that because right. we say, look what God has helped doctors do in terms of like giving right. them the knowledge to be able to fight cancer with chemotherapy. And like, thank you, God, for this treatment.
1: Right, and we don't look at that as a weakness. Right. You know, and we don't, when we think of medical treatments, I was told this once when I, when I entered therapy, um, was I described it kind of in this way because some people were kind of questioning questioning whether, you know, I can just suck it up and deal with it type thing. And um, it was, you know, if your child is sick or if someone is really, really sick, And they're like vomiting profusely you take them to the doctor because they're sick and they need medication to get better mental health and being in that bottom is no different than that your 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 friend your whoever that person is sick and they Mm -hmm. need to go to a doctor to get help um they are their daily life has been interrupted they're not functioning from an hour to hour basis. Or they're not functioning on a daily basis. They're only maybe functioning five minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. So they are sick. They are not well. And so when someone is sick, you take them to the doctor to get better. And so the, kind of changing that mindset around mental health is is really, really big. Because if someone isn't doing well. And that's kind of an extreme example. Me right. going into, when I went into therapy was, I had a very extreme life circumstance. Um, there's some people that i know that go th- see a therapist once a month just to check in
0: i'm doing that in a couple days
1: just just for i have that as well now I'm, I'm very much away from intensive therapy at this time in my life um and so my therapy is a checkpoint mm-hmm. um and so That's mine is
0: now too yeah
1: and so it's it's like your physical that you get at your doctor's office to mm-hmm. make sure your body's okay and so i um, just kind of thinking it in terms of in terms of that and Again, just like with any medical diagnosis or a doctor going, I think it's, you know, whatever. There can be gray oh, in yeah. a diagnosis. There can be things a doctor might not know. The same things in mental health. There's a lot of gray and yep. there could be things that aren't. And so if we think about it kind of like that, so we're not over exaggerating it, you know, going in every time you have a cough might change with <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but like we're not going to the doctor every time we have a cough. We're not going to the doctor every time we have a really bad day, right? Mm-hmm. So it's we're we're coming to find, you know, equilibrium. Equilibrium. We've got a hundred and four fever, and it's not going down. That's a problem, right? You you your your anxiety spikes are so high that you're sleeping in bed because you just you can't you can't face it. It's so you know all these different things. Okay time to go in so if we think about it kind of in that mindset it kind of changes changes the lens a little bit on mental health mm-hmm.
0: so we had talked um, previously in our conversations a lot about like neurons um, yeah which this gets very scientific and hard to understand and neither of us are experts on that right yes um, <laughs> you did just show me a video yeah. that she's going to send me that I'm going to um, link in the, con- the show comments, episode comments below so you can watch it because I think it's really helpful. Um, but what are these neurons and what do they do? and what what's-
1: So our brain <clears throat> is made up of billions of neurons, mm-hmm. okay? And these neurons essentially are how we learn everything. Mm-hmm. So our brain is one of the most moldable parts of our whole body. Our brain can move and change until the day we die. Mm-hmm so we can always learn a new habit it gets harder mm. as we get older um but we <laughs> yes, can it does, it does yeah <laughs> and i don't know the whole science behind that i just know that that's part of it yeah <laughs> so someone else that knows that's this, why kids learn so much so quickly <laughs> right because their brains are growing at such a rapid pace um and so that's why doing languages at a younger age is better because yes. your brain, your
0: brain i tried hebrew in my 30s in seminary <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it at that
1: <laughs> yeah so and multilingual kids also have different parts of the brain anyway okay yeah. that's a whole different thing. Yeah. um but um so the near billions of neurons in your brain essentially make your brain grow and stronger and so what the video that he's going to put in the chat is what i use with fifth graders to teach fifth graders about their growing brain and how when maybe a subject is really hard to learn you have to keep at it and keep failing and keep at it and what you're doing is you're building up your neurological network Mm -hmm. and so you're so
0: connections between neurons,
1: connections between all these little neurons in your brain and once you the more you do it the more stronger the it's like an electric connection between the two Mm -hmm. neurons the video will talk about and when you continue to make those you're hardwiring that knowledge into your brain and so you become smarter essentially Mm -hmm. so in, in other words, you become... Smarter
0: or you will learn a tool you, or learn a healthy habit. Yep.
1: Or a not healthy habit. Ex- oh, yes. Or you learn habit, good, yeah. bad, or ugly. Yes. Uh, and so your, your, neurolo- your neurons in your brain make your brain stronger. And you can constantly grow, detach, form, change, shift your neurons in your brain. They will never, you can, they will never stop growing, moving, changing until you are brain dead. You can change your brain until you're a brain dead. It is wild.
0: And so then how does medication affect that?
1: Oh, this is what I don't know a whole lot about. Yes.
0: And I I will be talking to another expert that will know more about this.
1: Yes. A lot more than me. (laughs) (laughs) So I I really reserve the right to be wrong on this. Um, So what medication can help... Do is it balances out the chemicals in your brain so certain things that light up in your brain certain areas of your brain um, it helps to kind of neutralize those so then you can start building neurological healthier habits
0: or rebuilding apps rebuilding so yep so either building or rebuilding so basically it's the medication is kind of saying us it's kind of a stop sign yeah to imbalances in your brain so that you can stop the imbalance and then create new neuro- neuron
1: connections yes yes and this is a super healthier, hopefully healthier new hopefully he- healthier neurological connections within your brain yep um, and this is a very broad overview yes
0: very broad this
1: is um, this is my basis knowledge mm-hmm. in order to help students and families understand um, how to help their child succeed academically in school mm-hmm. to, to the student's best ability.
0: And so this then kind of helps us transition into the therapy conversation because the medication, it can help neutralize some of the crazy things happening in our brains. Right. But it doesn't rewire those connections to create healthy no. habits. no it doesn't give us the tools we need to process things in healthy ways therapy is what helps us actually do that rewiring of the neurons and so um you gave an example um in previous discussions that you and i have had about like if you're cooking something and you get it wrong
1: oh right tell
0: tell me about that
1: okay so i when i was what 21 22 i entered into um pretty intensive therapy and therapy is always Pandora's box, man. You never know. <laughs> it just, you start with one thing and then it opens everything else.
0: Yes, it does. Um,
1: And so um, in, I started, I lost my mom when I was 19 um, and my world just kind of fell apart at that point. And um, I didn't get help for a while.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I should have gotten help way sooner. Um, eh, so goes life. It is what it is. <laughs> yep. Um, and so when I did finally get help, um, we discovered underneath a lot of the grief was I had no self-esteem. Yeah. It was all my forwardness, my happiness, everything was a total cover. Mm. It was an absolute mask of how I really felt about myself. And so my my neurons, my habits of how I thought about myself were way down here. So Mm. my, for example, my therapist at the time, asked me because i was in therapy once a week um very intensive and asked me to keep track in one week so from one therapy <laughs> appointment to the next to keep track of how many times i said thought or whatever a negative comment so it would be like oh anna thanks for singing on sunday this was great Pfft, uh you know what snow yeah, no. It, I just like sang and made it up. I can't even think anymore because my brain doesn't function that way anymore. <laughs> but like, instead of going, "Thank you so much. I really appreciate that," and taking it on, I would be like, "No, you know what? It really was everyone else on stage. They, yeah. they they really, really like they were the ones that made it really easy to sing." Yeah, um, that's a negative comment about self. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, got up in the morning, looked in the mirror, and would go. <sighs> Really, your hair is so ugly. Maybe you should try makeup. God, I just... <laughs> ew, what is that? Ugh. And I... Ugh. ugh. That's like five different oh, negative yeah. comments. Yeah. Um, and laughing about yourself. Going, oh, well, I, you know what? I'm just horrible at that. So, you know what? Just keep it going, whatever. That's a negative comment. Mm-hmm. I lost track after one day. Wow. <laughs> the amount of negativity towards self was... Astronomical. Mm-hmm. And so this, and this was
0: a result of a pattern of neurological connections in your mind that caused you to think that way.
1: Yep. And we could go back to as early as a baby to sure. some of these neurological connections, which I've done a, a lot of work on, but that's a whole different conversation for another time. Um, but yes, yeah, so this was years and years of buildup. Um, and a lot of it too was I'm a super active, loud, I'm a big personality. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't fit into school classrooms very well <laughs> and so i would just get a lot of heat as a kid and so a lot of the build up of that is very complex there's lots of layers to yeah. it yep. um, but essentially i got to the age of 22 with no self-esteem yeah <laughs>
0: happens sometimes
1: yep so um and it doesn't help when you lose your mom when you're 19. i mean it's the little things right um so <laughs> that's a big thing but yes continue. <laughs> you know. so uh, i'm in a really healthy place right now which is why i can <laughs> i can laugh about it um very very healthy uh so anyway so this started my journey of basically rewiring the neurological network of my brain Mm -hmm. and so that my basis of my brain was negative can't do anything so when we look at the example of cooking the old neurological self if i was cooking a pie and completely failed at cooking the pie. The old Anna, my gut, if I'm really tired, I do this too. Yeah. Really, mm-hmm. really tired. Um, is my old neurological network would say, oh, Anna, you could never cook in the first place. And you know what? You you didn't have a mom, to an adult mom to help you out. Um, and so, you know what? You just, you just, oh, God. Man, it just sucks. Yeah. I don't, I'm so bad at this. I'm not... I don't even think I want to eat pie ever again. Um, I'm, you know what, maybe I could just laugh this off as a joke and be like, ha, ha ha I guess I'm not a good homemaker and make some joke about women in the kitchen. So then everyone will think <laughs> it's funny and no one will like think I'm less than. How can I turn this around so no one can think I'm less than?
0: Mm, yeah. Very convoluted process.
1: Very, very over pie.
0: Yeah. Over pie. Over
1: pie. <laughs> This is what
0: depression does to you. Sometimes. So,
1: so, so that's what I, I'm never gonna. T- I'm never gonna do it again. Now, years later, I've done a lot, a lot of hard work um, to rewire those neurons, responses, and yeah, connections. and to even think of this example, it was really hard to make me to think of it because I don't function out of that in any way, shape, or form at this point. Yeah. So the new me, the the real. I like to say the real me, the real mm-hmm. Anna, the the would go I'd fail at doing a pie and I would start laughing because one it'd probably be funny because I would destroy the whole oven because um, that would be because that would just what, what would happen um, and, and I laughed because like oh my gosh what did I just do oh my gosh but the me now would look at the pie and I would call my husband and be like should I send you pictures of the kitchen or do you just not want to know I mean like super funny i would look at the recipe try to figure out where i went wrong maybe give myself like 24 hours i wouldn't go right after it but the new me is in no way shape or form does messing up a pie reflect who i am as a person and what i'm capable of right and just because i messed up a pie does not equate to failure of life failure of person um, it does not make me a failure less. failure of cooking. Right. It doesn't make me less than of a woman, less than of a mom, less than of a wife. It just means that pie didn't work out. Yeah. It's okay.
0: And maybe you call someone to figure out, where, where did I go wrong here?
1: I would 100% call Jan. Shout out to Jan, for you know who you are. Um, and ask her to come help me bake a pie because she's an amazing cook. Yeah. And I would ask, or I'd call my mother-in-law because she's also an amazing cook. And ask for advice and help. Yeah. And I would reach out to friends and go, hey, this is what happened. And then we'd have a good laugh. And then we would try again yeah. and give me advice and yeah. move on. And so totally different approach yeah. to the pie. Also, I would go into making the pie going, oh, this is probably going to be a total failure. This is going to be a disaster. Yeah. I mean, oh, come on, Anna, you can just try. You can just do it. Versus, I'm going to try a pie. Yeah, <laughs> let's, I, let's see what happens I'm here. not really a cook. I I will say that out loud. I, I don't enjoy cooking at all. That's okay. I um, don't either. <laughs> that's okay. I, and I'm totally okay with that. Um, I'm going to try this pie. One, because I'm crazy. And two, like, why not? Why not try a pie? Because I can yeah. learn something from it. Yeah. It's a totally different mindset. Yeah. So I essentially, my old neurological pathway, what it looked like was this, here's the visual of what we used in therapy was it was like this i picture this old like the first ford vehicle okay Mm -hmm. where like the wheel is sticking out and you had these big tires and whatever and and it's stuck just back and forth in these deep ruts Mm. that were just muddy and like just back and forth and back and forth and every time it would just get deeper and deeper and i had been functioning out of this mud pit yeah gross functioning. <laughs> functioning out of this mud pit um and what i did was essentially and this was like a whole highway of just dirt muck roads that i had been living on for how many years right and what i did was i rebuilt a highway so the car could just keep rolling yeah there's bumps and ruts in the road because yeah. there always will be but we move forward and we keep going. Yeah. And what happened was as I was building this new highway in my brain, these new habits, this new way to think was the mud pit road that I was stuck in. Essentially, what happened was there was flowers that grew, grass mm. came back, yeah. there was growth. And this this beautiful visual of my brain growing into the true self and the true self that God wanted you to be along absolutely, yeah. and I can always wonder if my mom hadn't passed away at nineteen, where God would have led me you know i can i sometimes i sit I'm in a really healthy place, so I can sit and reflect on that now in a very healthy positive way mm-hmm. um and so sometimes I just wonder, yeah because so much of my journey and mental health journey and neurological rebuilding and the science of the brain and all this stuff has to do with that pivotal moment yeah. of life-altering, mm-hmm. completely life-changing moment of losing my mom and um, and where I am today in my walk with God and what God has done with that. Yes. I mean, you tuck beauty <laughs> out of ashes. It's been incredible. and And the whole journey of mental health and everything that I've been through, and I'm still growing and I'm still learning. I have a kid now. It <laughs> is hard to be a mom without your mom. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there are just times you just want to pick up the phone and you just can't. Yeah. Um so there's new struggles that come with that. Um but there's great growth that comes through that. And so to to and that's a very simplified version of <laughs> yes. it. I have bad days. Yes. Oh, um, we all do. <laughs> we all do. And so just kind of the growth and beauty that's come out of that and and the community that God has surrounded me with. And the therapist that God has connected me with, and the just the mental health outlets that I've been able to provide for other students and families because of my own journey and what God has been able to speak through that to others has been absolutely incredible and just um, just an amazing journey that's still going. Oh yeah, I'm a little nervous. I'm like, (laughs) okay, what else you got in the store, God? Okay. but there's there's just in terms of just to rope it back the neurological makeup of your brain i rewired my brain and part of the secret is and this is a good tip i use with my students part of how i rewired my brain is i had post-it notes everywhere it's the (laughs) post-it note trip okay um this my shout out to my first therapist that taught this to me i use this oh my gosh so I had post-it notes on my mirror. I had post-it notes in my car. I had post-it notes um, next to my bed. And they all said things like, you're a beloved child of God. Mm. You are beautiful. You are worthy. God loves you. You're, you are magnificent. You are stunning. Okay, And I would have to stand in front of the mirror. I would get up in the morning, and the, the ones in the mirror where you're magnificent, you're a beautiful child of God, um, And there was one more and I would stand in front of the mirror and look at myself in the mirror and read them out loud Mm. and for someone who has no self-esteem it is one of the hardest things you will ever do in your entire life nobody believes me until they try it Mm. look in the mirror and look at yourself and you have to say with confidence I am beautiful Okay. I am
0: beloved by God.
1: I am beloved by God. And man, oh man, <laughs> I would say it and go, you are beloved by God. This is so dumb. I would do that. And it was painful. There were some mornings I would get up and I would look at the post-it notes and I'd be like, I can't say that out loud today. Wow. I'm not beautiful today. Like, mm. And I would sit there, sometimes in the bathroom for like 20 minutes because mm. I would force myself to say it. I did that for months and months and months on end. And I would get in my car and I would, I would turn that. Sur- you are a beloved child of God. <sighs> <laughs> I don't believe that today. I'm going to say that again. You are a beloved child of God. Still don't believe it today. I'm going to say it one more time. Mm-hmm. And I did that for months and months and months until finally it became truth. Wow. So I can wake up in the morning and go, Woo! it's a mom kind of a day. You are a beloved child of God. Amen. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And there's some days where I'm not great at saying it. Yeah. But that's what it took. Yeah. So it was repetitive. It was repetitive action. It was a movement of the Holy Spirit. I would argue a huge movement of the oh, Holy absolutely. Spirit. Um, and I completely rewired
0: mm-hmm.
1: how I saw myself. Yeah. And it was hard work. It was exhausting. I could only work... When I was in intensive therapy that first year, I could... Well, for first six months, really. I could only work for five or six hours a day. I could not work a full shift wow. because I was so tired and I was so emotionally and physically, everything exhausted so I couldn't really work. Yeah. Um, and it was the grace of God and the provision of others that I was able to like eat yeah. and pay rent
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: Um, and get through that period. Um, and the community, the community of God that got me through all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just was, I yeah, I'm a totally different person now. We than are new when, creations. Right, right. And so the that, your sermon on Sunday, the fire, you know, sometimes the fire can be good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm like, God, really? Less fire, please. <laughs> less fire. A little bit less. little bit less. I get it. <laughs> I get what you're doing. Can we...
0: No. <laughs> Can we turn on the fire extinguisher? And... Just
1: for like a minute. <laughs> um, and so, but that's just—I mean, talk about communication of the Holy Spirit and and a total just rethinking of the brain. Um, but it was a lot of hard work. It was extremely exhausting. Oh yeah. And no one saw it. Yeah. No one knew the extent of what I had to do every morning to get up every morning and to say. To look at myself and go, "You are magnificent," mm-hmm. was excruciating. Yeah, absolutely excruciating. But no one knows, right? No one can see it's that. They can't see, right? It's not no. like I was gaining more muscles. Yeah, I was. You just can't see just it in between your skull, right? You just—it's just the neurons in your skull. You can't yeah. really see it. And so, when we're working with our, I'm getting back there. I'm not going on so long a tangent. So when we're rebuilding and we're, we're growing muscles in the neurological network, and we're, and my example is very extreme and very intensive, um, and it was my choice to do that. Yeah. My choice to go through all that because you have a choice. Oh, yeah. Whether to rebuild, whether you want to rebuild your brain or what decisions you make. That's totally ball is in your court. Like I said, one a therapist will never work harder than you will ever. Mm, yeah, So your choice to make that decision. I made the choice to do it completely paid off yep. in every way, shape, or form. Yep. I am... I love my life. God has been... God's so great. Yes. And that's why I wanted to talk about mental health because yes. I wanted to share this with others because I think it's important that people know that God was involved in my mental health journey and God was involved in the science of the neurological network of my brain to rebuild it. Yeah, And that it's really, really important when we're so from a, if I put on the school counseling lens and we look at a neurological makeup of a student, and they're really struggling with something, how can we help them rebuild that neurological network to think of themselves differently? When a math, I'm horrible at math, so I always go to this. <laughs> when a math problem is really hard, how can we? Two plus two is ten. Uh, the I'm just kidding. That's four. I said two plus two is five all year to the students, and it drove me nut. They drove me nuts this year. It's really funny, um, but how can we build up confidence of a a student to recognize that we have to keep going back to that math problem and working at it again not because you're stupid or not because you just you'll never understand it because you're starting to build and rebuild that neurological network and it hurts yeah and it takes time yes it (laughs) takes time yes oh my gosh in the world of instantaneousness because of technology we are horrid at this yes (laughs) it takes time to build and grow those muscles you don't become a bodybuilder overnight that is years and years and years of work and um, you don't become a singer or an artist overnight that's years and years of work and hours of dedication and time and process Mm -hmm. so when we're building our neurons when we're building those more muscles in our brain it takes time and process and that's where god is i believe in my opinion yeah. is in that process of the neurological rebuilding because man like you're not doing it alone no i don't Never know alone. how people i don't know how people do it alone no. i have no comprehension of how I-, I wouldn't have been able to rebuild my brain without the encouragement of others around me the community and the whole movement of the holy spirit saying, keep going, keep going, mm-hmm. keep going. Say it one more time. But <laughs> 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 well, I don't want to. Um, and so there are all things we can't see. And there's just this this great movement of community and absolute discipleship that happens mm-hmm. through that. And so I just that neurological makeup of your brain. I don't have the exact science of it. And we're still studying the brain. Oh yeah, there's because so, so much to learn. Because it is so the brain is so complex. Mm. There are just things I mean, it is an absolute incredible part of your body. Yeah. And the way I mean
0: I like my elbow personally. Fun,
1: but. Well, I mean. <laughs> and the way that God has connected the synapses, in my opinion, has created the synapses that keep growing and growing and can change and shift over time. I mean It's crazy. It blows my mind. <laughs> and it's just an absolute incredible um it's it's just incredible how our brains are yeah. created that way i went on a huge long tangent but. that's okay
0: so so talk a little bit more about what therapy is and what therapy isn't i'm just going to run through some things about what therapy isn't because there's a lot of misconceptions about like oh therapy is this or therapy is that so, yes
1: yes and it is almost 11:30. just yes. heads
0: up okay it is not someone fixing your problems nope nope it's not somebody just giving you a solutions like no nope. here do this and everything's fine no nope. it's a lot of work It's a lot of work. It's not just like laying down on a couch. You may lay down on a couch. I I have. Yep. I sit on the couch in my therapist's office, but I could have laid down. I don't think you'd care. But it's not necessarily that. Um, It's not a one-time thing. No. It takes time. Like If you injure your leg, there's a lot of rehab that goes into rebuilding strength into your leg because you maybe have to take time off your leg and rest it. And then you start to rebuild it. So, kind of like we restore the brain to a natural point—that's the resting it period—and yep. then we have to rebuild that strength and rewire the way our brains work. Right. Um, therapy does not make your circumstances
1: no nope. go away. Therapy cannot change your circumstances. Nope.
0: Um And the therapist doesn't automatically just take your side. So, if you're if part of what you're struggling with is a conflict with a person, whether it's a family member or a friend or a co-worker a therapist isn't automatically going to say oh you're right on everything um a,
1: a, therapist a good shouldn't. therapist a therapist yeah. shouldn't yeah um from what i was taught in grad school what i've researched my experience my own i've had two therapists um and other therapists friends that i've talked to a, pe- a therapist should never it's not about sides it's having an unbiased mm-hmm. opinion to the situation Yeah. Because they're not involved. Right. They don't care. And they're only getting side of, of the okay.
0: situation anyway. So the therapist right. knows, I don't know the whole story here. Absolutely. But from what you're telling me, I'm observing this about their response. I'm observing this about your response.
1: Yes. It's about your response to the situation. So right. it's not about you being in the right. That's a huge clarification. Yes,
0: yes. And so then what therapy is, is it's a mirror. It's somebody to show you what you're saying and what you're experiencing. Therapy is learning how to do self-reflection. So I've looked at that so much. And today I'm able to say, why is it like, I was literally just doing this last night. I was like, why is this particular thing so emotional for me? And I kind of, therapy has given me the tools to look at that and say, okay, that's why, because I had this thought pattern earlier in my life and I'm reapplying that thought pattern now. That's why I'm responding this way. Um, like you said earlier, therapy is a lot of work that nobody may see. Yep. A lot um, of work. They may see the fruit of the therapy.
1: Yes. Yeah. Close friends won't. will typically see the fruit. Yep. Uh, they'll see the shift. Yep. Um, they'll see, yeah, they'll see a lot of it. Uh, but the reality is, most people won't see. Yeah. Both and no like
0: one. people that are close to me, they know the difference of pre therapy me and, and post therapy. Yep. Not post, I'm uh, not done with therapy but
1: um you're post certain stages in therapy yeah i'm post some stages in my walk in my And maybe at some point
0: you'll go back into a time of needing more intensive therapy. Who knows?
1: Yep. And that has happened already. And I've
0: had that too. Like I've had times where I've not gone to the therapist for months and then I've had to go for a while again. And right now I'm kind of in a maintenance mode of just kind of going every couple months just as a checkpoint to see-
1: Well that's, I had to go back um, kind of more regularly when I, um, as I got closer to my due date when I was Mm. pregnant. Uh, Because the reality of I can't call my mom when something's wrong kind of hit a little bit closer to home. Um, and so I had to just do some more frequent check-ins yeah. um, to ensure that I wasn't leaving my husband out.
0: Yeah, yeah, important. Yes. Um, like you said earlier, a therapist never works harder than the client. A therapist can sometimes be Pandora's box because you go in for one thing <laughs> and, it's, and it's good that you go in for that thing right. and you need to address that thing. Right. But you learn that the reason that this one thing is so deeply emotional or upsetting is because of a different thing that happened earlier that wired your brain to react in a certain way. Right. You learned a pattern of reaction years ago that is now making this current circumstance feel the way that it feels. Right. And that's not that you're responding incorrectly, Um, that's just the way your brain is functioning right now and you need to assess is that the right way for my brain to be functioning? Is there a better way well, for it well, to function? Is
1: there a better way for me to function? Yes. So it's not necessarily, because our brains all function totally differently. Um, so it's, it's, when you make the choice to do therapy, is it how I feel like I am, I am uncomfortable with my responses to X, Y, and Z yep. situation. So I would like to change my response to X, Y, and Z so that's that's what it's helping to do, because we each process, because we all grew up in individual different homes and mindsets and all that kind of stuff, and we may all love God. We're going to have different approaches to stuff.. Yeah. And so um, it's more about I, some people say, with like depression or anxiety, that they feel out of control of their own life. I yes. want I, I feel like everything's out of my control. I have no say in my reactions. I don't know what is going on. And, and a lot of that happens too with ADD and ADHD. Yeah. I've, I'm just, I've I've had boys crying in my office because I just can't control it and I don't know what to do. And there's just this level of, I know, I can't figure it out. And so what therapy does is help to put those puzzle pieces together yeah. and to figure it out. So it's it's more about, I don't like how I'm responding. I would like to shift how I respond. Yeah, yeah. And then Pandora's box opens and you're like oh my <laughs> god!"
0: well and with that too I just want to say like the first couple of times that I went to therapy I almost felt worse initially because yeah. suddenly you're ripping off the band-aid and the wound is exposed yes and it it's just it's at least if you're being honest with your therapist yeah. you can go like if you go into a therapist and don't say much and you don't tell your therapist where you're really at you're not going to get anything out of it no um, but like The first couple of times of going in there, I was just like, this is so raw. Because, you know, I know that something is bothering me, but I kind of paper over it. I kind of do what I have to do to function on a daily basis. But then when I get in there and get in that room and I finally start really, for a long time, really delving into it, it hurts. Yeah. It's hard.
1: It's a really, it's a really, It's an excruciating process. I always say if you have therapy, you know, like you need to leave thirty to forty minutes afterwards to take a deep breath before you re-enter with other human beings. Because there's a lot that that happens. But again, like you said, it's all how much you open up. It's it's what you want to put into it. Therapy you only get how much out of it is how much you put into it, essentially. Um and you can choose not to, and that's okay. there are lots of people that roam the earth that never go to therapy that and survive and survive <laughs> or thrive, even yeah, yeah, absolutely, and so um and so we're just we're giving this from the example of seeing therapy as a way that helped us thrive, yes, versus just survive, yeah, and so we're that's where our perspective is coming from mm-hmm. is therapy for us and medication and and all these other stuff was we are now thriving of who we are versus just surviving and through that we're able to actually cling I think harder to the vine
0: oh yeah absolutely
1: and and God can use us to produce fruit yeah um and um so that's our perspective because there's many people that that never go to therapy and and thrive and survive and Mm -hmm. So, um, and good for them. Yeah, right, right. So, this is just kind of the, our perspective in our boat. And I think it's very important when we talk about all this mental health and we're talking about our journeys to also recognize that um, th- this, is, this is gray. Yeah. It's super gray. It's personal choice. Um, I think to put all your be- eggs in the basket of mental health is just as dangerous as putting no eggs in the basket of mental health. Correct. And so we need to have this balance between the significance of mental health, because we do that even with cancer, right? You mm-hmm. have radiation before you move to chemo sometimes, or you only need radi- like There's different steps within the yep. medical field. And so we need to treat mental health as the same way. Yep. And so we need to ensure this kind of balance between the yes and no of mental health Yes. is really, really essential. Yep.
0: Some other things to cover fairly quickly. Um, there are non-Christian therapists or therapists that don't necessarily say they're going come at it from a Christian perspective, and Christian therapists. I think you and I are both in agreement that like it, it you don't have to choose one over the other. No. The reason I've chosen Christian therapists is um, just because I want someone with that theological outlook because I'm very much wired to think theologically, right. and so um, a lot a lot of therapists christian or non-christian will use a lot of the same tools absolutely in a lot of cases
1: absolutely but
0: a christian therapist will also use the additional tools of scripture prayer and those kinds of things Right. right and one of the things we talked about earlier too is that oftentimes your relationship with your therapist is very much a discipleship relationship yeah yeah and i completely agree because it's someone that's I mean here at Faith Covenant we talk about discipleship as walking with someone with God's word with other people. That's exactly what therapy is in a Christian context. And so um, you know we talked about how Jesus met with people where they were at and just yep. pushed them better to be push them to be better people, didn't ever shy away from the truth. And ideally your therapist will do the same. They'll they'll point out hard truths to you yep um, absolutely you know like we said earlier they won't just automatically take your side if there's something that you need to work on they will tell you you yep. need to work on this and yep. they'll do it lovingly
1: oh, absolutely absolutely but they're gonna they're gonna give you truth
0: yeah yep um because you're there to hear truth yeah therapy is should be anyway should like be we anyway. said it's a process of discipleship it's a refining it's um, going through the fire, like we talked about earlier, yeah. it's iron sharpening iron. It is not easy stuff. Nope. Um, therapy can happen in a group, so sometimes therapy happens in family contexts. Yep. Um, you know, people can go in there as couples therapy. You can do family therapy. Looks like a lot of different things. Yep. And
1: you can do there's play therapy for young kids. That's yep. a whole different yep thing. There's all different types, which you have another friend coming on that we'll talk about. Sure. She'll have much more knowledge of that yep. than I will
0: so yeah and so and then like we've said earlier we've kind of already talked about the rest of what i was planning on but like of course prayer is a major part of all of this absolutely it's not saying that oh do medication and therapy but don't pray no 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 no. like my every time i go to therapy my therapist prays for me right and right you know prayer is absolutely essential in all things i think we just need to realize that prayer is sometimes answered in more than one way. And one way for me that prayer was answered was providing a therapist and medication. Mm -hmm. That was an answer to prayer for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And likewise community. Like I I would not have gone to therapy without my community of friends that I have around me. Because a few years back in 2015 is when I started seeing a therapist. Um, I had two friends within a week that knew me really well that both said, I think you need to see someone yeah and hearing that from two totally unrelated people who had never met each other that know me from completely different <laughs> contexts of life like one was a high school friend well one was a friend that I worked with in the youth group at faith um two completely different people both said within a week I think you need to talk someone and that was like okay I think I think God's trying to tell me something <laughs> 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 Hmm. So, yes, I mean, all of that to say is healing from mental health stuff is a very difficult process. Yeah. It's not just a bandaid over a paper cut. Yep, It's highly involved. It's complex. It's gray and sticky. Right. It's, it looks different for different people. Um, we just hope that you feel empowered, um, whether you're listening or watching this, you feel empowered to seek healing in the ways that you need to seek it, um, whether that's intensive prayer, intensive therapy, non-intensive therapy, medication, no medication, whatever that looks like to you. Um, don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of um, of admitting that you need help. Jesus came as a healer. <laughs> um, yeah. Jesus didn't come to just, you know, have a party for the people that were already, already fine. So. <laughs>
1: And, and yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. And I will say as a side note, I, talking about like early habits and all these things, um, moms don't feel pressured (laughs) that you need to raise your kids to be this perfect mentally healthy. The reality is And dads. And dads, yeah. Parents. I, sorry, mom perspective. Um, All parents. Um, Everybody has trauma. Mm Mm-hmm every single person has hardship, which as Christians, I think there's a deeper understanding of that. Um, and at, at least in my experience with my Christian friends of community, that there's a deeper on uh, knowledge that life is not... Uh, all roses. All roses. Um, and so, it just in terms of nav- how do we navigate all this, I know as a parent, I felt, I feel pressure sometimes to like, oh, I just bopped the thing. I uh, feel pressure sometimes to like make sure my child is mentally healthy. The reality is I'm only human mm-hmm. and my kid will turn around and look at me when he's 30 and be like, why did you do that, mom? I'll be like, I don't know. Cause it's what happened then. And that's fine. So That's just
0: how we rolled in the early 2020s. Yeah, this is how, this is
1: how we roll. <laughs> so, um, I kind of feel like mental health has come with this like pressure cooker with parents that we need to, and I always say that's why I exist as a school counselor, is Mm -hmm. because you as a parent don't have to have all the answers, you as a parent don't have to have it 100% correct, I'm coming together with you in community, we don't have to believe the same thing, we don't have to have the same morals even, I'm coming into community with you to provide that level of support where you might need it as a parent as an aunt as an uncle as a grandparent as a sister brother whatever um and so that's why people like me exist in my role to provide that community we are not designed
0: to function alone we cannot function alone nope can't do it
1: no so So that's, I just want to be sure that was also on the table. We could probably talk forever about this. I do need to get my kid up.
0: Yes, we do. And uh, (laughs) we've kind of exhausted what we wanted to talk about anyway. And I'm sure you all have things to do as well. So thank you so much for joining on this journey. And we'll be continuing this journey into mental health next week. Thank you very much and have a great day.
1: Bye.